0: Kia ora, I am very well, thank you. I'm enjoying, I would say I'm enjoying the sunshine, but I have a lot of paperwork, so I'm looking out the window at Uh-oh. sunshine today. Looks oh. lovely though.
1: <laughs> it is, a, it's a lovely day here in Auckland as well, and I think the weekend is looking okay, so fingers crossed. Now, this week critter is, is a little unusual because it, it's of the feathered variety, and not something that usually makes the cut for this feature. Tell us a little bit about it. So I sure can,
0: and you're quite right. It's uh, I think it's technically illegal for a critter of the week to have uh, what well, I consider a cute bird uh, <laughs> uh, on the show, but we did preview it a little bit when I spoke to G.C. a few weeks ago, and I mentioned that I'd been down with some of my forest and bird team at a reserve that we own that they look after way down in the Catlins, and I'd seen. Fern birds or matata, um, which I was very excited about, and I said, We should
1: really do one for critter of the week. And Jesse went, Yes, and now he's missed out. So, uh, oh well, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a bonus for me because I have to say they are absolutely gorgeous, and I sometimes confuse them a little bit with the fantail.
0: Yeah, I could understand that. So, uh, they are, um, a little, um, bird, obviously, they, um, Uh, What I like about them is a bit like the fantail, you know, they're a wee bird with a big attitude. So they're about the size of a mouse, the weight of a mouse, uh, and yet they're not afraid, for example, to hunt for blowflies on the back of a sleeping sea lion, which I think someone recently got a photo of. (laughs) Uh, Having started my conservation career many, many years ago now with Doc in Otago, I'm very familiar with trying very hard not to get too close to sleeping sea lions. So they're <laughs> gutsy wee birds and they do have um, a long tail. So they occasionally get mistaken for, for a sparrow, for example. But um, And in fact, one of their um, earlier European names was the swamp sparrow. But they have a long it's described as a long, ragged tail. Um Yes, and
1: that's what the... <laughs> Yeah, that's what confuses me with the fantail sometimes. I think, you know, there's an odd looking sort of fantail with a big sort of tail to it, you know, a little bit more a little bit larger than what you get with a sparrow, yeah.
0: Yeah, and um, you will um, because you're in Auckland, obviously, and so um, if you've you may well have seen them in and around wetlands and um, estuarine sort of habitats around Auckland, and if you haven't seen them um out there, listeners, that's okay because you may have heard them. They have a very um fascinating kind of. A uh, series of vocalizations or, or bird calls that they make, um, which to me—and I can get into them a bit um, later—but to me sounds a bit like radio static.
1: Oh, uh, really? Depending on
0: the calls that they're making, yeah, it's quite a, a metallic sort of um, sort of a song. Like it sort of it, to me, it—you know—you can't, can't do it now, I don't think. But you know, when you flick off the t- the TV, goes off channel and you get all the snow and it goes kind of like
1: that? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, they can sound like that. The, um, one of their names was also the U Tick Bird. And what I find really lovely about that is um, it relates to the song, The Calls Between the Males and the Females, because they're hanging out in the long kind of um, vegetation and wetlands, hard to see when you're a bird the size of a mouse that doesn't like to fly too much. And so they're constantly chatting away to each other and the male makes this quite low sort of you sound and um, the female immediately responds with a very high pitched. So they're the you tick bird, which is them constantly kind of relaying to each other, I'm over here now, I'm behind this piece of grass now, you can find me over here. and yeah but they are known um the maori name for them is matata um uh, which is also um the name for some kind of water ferns um or ko tata depending on where they uh, might be found so um we're quite lucky in new zealand in that we have five subspecies of um fern bird here the north island south island Fenewahoe, which is Codfish Island, uh, and the nearby, nearby Rakiura or Stewart Island fern bird, and just below that, the Snears Island fern bird. So I imagine they're all fairly closely related, but um, as you, you know, kind of, I suppose, isolate yourself over time on islands, you become more and more distinct. So we've got these wee, these wee subspecies. And they used to be everywhere. So um, Walter Buller, who who wrote... Uh, that beautiful book, Buller's Birds, and and I, I, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's enormous, mm. uh, and book collectors, you know, New Zealand book collectors love copies of Buller's Birds, and and I get very jealous when I go to someone's house and they've got a copy of Buller's Birds lurking around in their bookshelf. But uh, anywho, he described them um, as one of the our most common birds, but they have and you know and not. Very long, so that was in the 19th century. They've disappeared from huge chunks of New Zealand. So you know we've got to do our best to look after them. And I suppose part of the problem for them, and I get that, I totally can relate. By the time you get to Friday after the end of a busy week, not that I can fly, but they're described as
1: reluctant flyers. Uh, um, <laughs> right. So the major, the the, the major. Uh, I suppose the the things that are are endangering them are things like dogs and cats, and if they're not good at flying or reluctant flies. Yeah, reluctant flies, yeah.
0: And I suspect that also adds to the reason they've got a scraggly tail because it's probably dragging on the ground while they're honing around (laughs) in in the undergrowth. Um, So, yeah, you're right. Um, Dogs and cats uh, are a problem. Um, Obviously, things like stoats, ferrets, weasels... Um, but actually, the biggest problem for them is, you know, uh, we've lost 90% of our wetlands here in New Zealand in just over 100 years. And so uh, they've run out of room uh, in terms of where they can hang out. So I know lots of people um, around the country are involved in both uh, wetland restoration as well as trapping. That's the perfect recipe if you love a fern bird. And many people do, because just before um, I spoke to you today... I got an email through the Forest and Bird website from Hilton, Hilton Ward uh, from Ngunguru who said just a suggestion for Nicola Tookie for Critter of the Week. You mentioned maybe we should do Fernbird as a critter and our wetland in Ngunguru is famous for its matata, which is oh, quite lovely. Oh, wow. Oh, great. So if you're- if you're up there it's apparently open to the public uh with boardwalks that you can wander around and see them and that they are very cool you can i i I almost feel that they're like a wee ghost bird because when i saw them uh last month you sort of catch them out the corner of your eye and by the time you turn around to look they're gone, but you can still hear that kind of metallic sound in the reeds, which is lovely.
1: Fantastic. Now the, now you, you mentioned in the notes here the only other bird of its genus found in New Zealand was the was the Chatham Island fern bird, which went extinct in was it nineteen hundreds that I'm reading in the notes.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's it's that bit sad story here in New Zealand It's something I constantly wrestle with right because if you are in the world of selling nature which is um what I like to think we do (laughs) um telling people stories of extinction all the time is really hard right because people feel a bit helpless however not telling them about what we've lost uh, doesn't inspire people to do stuff to look after it right so yeah, yeah um, we've lost more than 50 species of birds um since humans arrived here in New Zealand and yeah the chatham island fern bird went extinct you're right in 1900 um and we kind of we we think we've got some overseas cousins and um, places like Australia and New Guinea that often happens with Gondwana type um species uh, but here in New Zealand we don't really know how many there are. We do know that they've gone missing um, from some places. So you can't really find them in uh, anywhere around Canterbury, as far as I understand, for example. Um, so there's gaps in, in where they're found. And part of the challenge for them is, uh, and I haven't got close enough one to one yet to find out, but they apparently smell quite, pungent, quite gamey, and um, that's probably okay if you live in the pre-humans and all their pests context when you only had avian predators to worry about, so, you know, falcons and hawks and things like that. But unfortunately, if if you're a very tiny, reluctantly flying... Um, size of a mouse bird that smells amazing to a dog or a cat or a stoat, then that's a bad survival tactic.
1: Oh, right. Okay, so even like trained up conservation dogs mm, might like the taste of them. Uh,
0: yes, they... Um, they, they are irresistible to dogs. M- most conservation dogs, well, all conservation dogs have to pass two sets of exams, actually. One is just a basic, um, I know this because I secretly want to be a conservation dog oh. ranger at, at one point in my career. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> uh, uh, what the the first set of exams for those dogs is they've just got to learn their basic manners, like almost like having a learner's driver, learner driver's license, <laughs> and um and the second one is they have to be able to pass a series of tests to show that when they are out looking for their target species, so you you might be a rat detection dog, you might be a kiwi detection dog, doesn't matter, you don't pay attention to anything else going on around you that might either distract you or that you might want to pop in your mouth. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. So, despite uh, yeah, smelling really gamey, um, you know, hopefully those uh, those dogs can be trained out of catching, catching the lovely little uh, muck, they absolutely they? will be. Yeah, um,
0: we- and also, so well, I thought it was a great um, species to talk about. Uh, at the moment, having looking out the window at that beautiful spring day is because they start to breed now. So they breed through spring and summer. And um, I love the description of their nests. It's co- it's described as a, a deep woven feather lined cup of fine grass in dense vegetation, usually less than one metre above the ground or water. Um, and if you see pictures of their nests, they are a works of art, really. And they, they look like works of art because they are perfectly designed to be both um, strong and dry. Um, and then the, the concept of Te or Matata, which means, you know, the house of a fern bird, um, is used to describe uh, a woven harakiki cape to keep out the weather. And certainly when you look at the um, artifacts down here in Pounamu, you know, where Naitahu and um, Katimamoe and Waitaha have been for many, many, many years, that there are examples of those capes. So I thought that was quite lovely Gorgeous. as well. Gorgeous, yeah. So what do they like to eat, Nick? Uh, oh, I misheard you for a second. Oh. I
1: thought you said what are they like to oh. eat? But uh, <laughs>
0: well, as a rule, we try not to eat the critters.
1: <laughs> well, lo- lots of protein. Although I don't know about the birds, but 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 generally, you know, insects have lots of protein. And in fact, I think I was just reading somewhere recently in the last week or so about some insect being eaten. But no, no, we're talking birds. Um, what do yes. the birds like to eat? <laughs> <laughs>
0: The uh, are they also they absolutely love insects. So, um, particularly caterpillars, beetles, flies, moths, spiders. Um, they do occasionally eat fruit, and there is a record of one eating um an unsuspecting skink. Um oh. And down on the southern islands, they are known to actually pick up leaves with their foot, and then look on underneath them for little bugs. Um, wow. And. They also sneak into seabird burrows um, because there's often lots of um, little mites and little invertebrates that either fall off the seabirds or live within the, the seabird burrows. So they're they that's what I you know they're quite gutsy. They like uh, they're not they're not backwards and coming forwards and. Um, I, I do, I do love um, an a species that's you know got a bit of chutzpah.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and well, let's uh, let's hope that they can continue uh, to be courageous and and remain uh, in our wetlands, and maybe hopefully we can rebuild those numbers up again. Uh, it, look, the thing about New Zealand wildlife
0: is the recipe is real easy: get rid of the pests and protect their habitat, and then we can all get along and enjoy. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Well, you have a wonderful weekend, Nicola. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been lovely to talk to you.